Hi there. This is Dennis Velko from Out Bureau. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Out Bureau Voices, where we have engaging conversations with LGBTQ professionals, entrepreneurs, and community leaders from around the world. And today we have a great honor of speaking with Donna Williams. She is an entrepreneur hailing from Brighton, UK. Welcome to the show, Donna. Thanks for having me, Dennis. How are you? Well, I'm doing pretty well in enjoying the uh, winter. It is right now, uh, end of October, beginning of the November in 2020. Um, since you folks out there could be listening to this at any time, and we appreciate that. But I am enjoying uh, one of the reasons I moved back to Florida, where I grew up in the home state of Florida, rather, is for these lovely winters. I'm in shorts, a t-shirt, and sandals. But you wouldn't know it from this, right? <laughs> I'm so jealous. It's really cold over here in England, so I am I am a little bit jealous. Well, perhaps we'll have to organize an out bureau event function and get all of our great members to come to Fort Lauderdale for you know a week or so, or at least a long weekend, and enjoy it. Um, so, Donna, give us a little bit of information. Now, you started a company called Liberty Picks. Um, which for those out there, I'll let you give the, the detailed overview. But for those in our listening and viewing audience, Liberty Picks is a all LGBT focused um, site that's similar for those out there who know of iStockphoto or GettysImages.com. Uh, and so um, let me have you tell a little bit of your history and story about LibertyPicks.com. Okay, Dennis, so I'll give you a background to the reason why I came up with the idea of Liberty Picks. So my background is in advertising and I worked for 20 years in the creative department of lots of different advertising agencies, some big ones and some small ones, some famous ones and some not so famous ones. And my job was to write uh, um, TV campaigns, print ads, digital uh, email campaigns. And in the early days of my career, there wasn't really much um, to do with uh, stock photography. There was a little bit, but most of the clients had big budgets and they had a lot of money to spend on commissioning photographers. And that's how you got a lot of work done. But increasingly over the years, stock imagery has become a much more attractive option, mainly with um, social media, the advent of social media. People don't need some the pictures to be as big as they used to be. So now it, 72 DPI is acceptable. And in my role as a creative, uh, I found myself looking more and more at stock photography websites to find appropriate imagery to use in the campaigns that I, I, I'd written or been part of. And while I was searching through all these stock photos, um, I realized that there was little or not, no authentic images of LGBTQ plus people. And in fact, what I found were um, over-sexualized images. So that would be like two lesbian, uh, two straight women who would be uh, cast as two lesbians kissing or about to get it on. Uh, there would be images of gay men without their tops on who looked like they were going to go to a sex party. Um, I found images that were following a heteronormative narrative. So it would be two beautiful, two gay, beautiful gay men in a beautiful apartment with their beautiful baby. Nothing to mm. do with a lot of the gay men that I know here in Brighton. Uh, and of course, there was just like loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of rainbow flags everywhere. So, you know, apparently that's all we do is go around waving a rainbow flag. 
so during also that time, I collected some adverts and collected some um, pieces of communication which were about the uh, misrepresentation of LGBTQ people. For example, I found an advert for a um, an ad uh, a travel company. I can't remember the name now of it, and they were using a stock image of a clearly it was a mother and daughter, but they decided to portray that as a lesbian couple. So this actually oh. drove me around the bend. It's like it's quite rude, I thought really. So instead of moaning about it, which I did for quite some time, and I did moan about it and I did rant and rave about it. I decided with my partner, Nikki, that we would do something about this and we would create our very own uh, stock shot agency, which was just about LGBTQ plus people living their authentic lives. So that was the birth of Liberty Picks. Awesome. And as a user of images for all of my marketing that I have to do even, and you know for the featured images on my articles and sometimes my backdrop images whenever i even have a guest on um you know i'll get their headshot as you see in the youtube uh thumbnail and so forth but uh 99.9 percent .9 of the time i'm using stock images mm -hmm. uh, you know for the backdrop behind them to give some you know sense of gaiety um, to that image uh, so that the person seeing it quickly recognizes it, that it's a gay, you know, LGBTQ content and looks at then the title further. So I myself can uh, see the need for it and I can totally um, uh, just validate that I have pretty much with my what I consider to be fairly limited uh, with like 180 or so articles and now uh, of about 50 episodes out there, I've pretty much exhausted um, what I can come across. So, you know, I, I've started to even having to reuse some of the same images. Sometimes I'll flip them and put the person in a different area to kind of uncover the different side of the, the image just to have it look fresh. So I completely understand. And wow, having an actual someone who was uh, very apparently models who were a mother and daughter and trying to portray that as a lesbian couple, just one sounds gross. And, you know, too it's it's not very representative of the vast majority of lesbian couples i know who look completely different from each other you know so so very very interesting exactly. yeah. so um so now how long um how, to talk about kind of the the so you've talked about the why um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, starting the business and maybe some of the issues, challenges and how you overcame them and, you know, how, you know, some of the business side of it, you know, how are you, uh, in addition to this, you know, getting the word out. Um, and if I, from our initial conversation, I do believe that not only the are images, um, that you are putting on your site and accepting on your site for authenticity, but also all of the photographers are also yeah. part of the LGBT community as well, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So what we try, what we do at Liberty Pix is we provide authentic uh, images shot through the lens of the people that know the LGBT community the best, and that is the LGBTQ plus community. So all our models are people that identify with the LGBT 
Q Plus community and all of our photographers are queer photographers. So we guarantee to rep, uh, to portray an authentic, a genuine and a sensitive portrayal of LGBTQ plus life. Now, in terms of the struggles do you mean the struggles of starting the business? Do you mean all the process Just, you know, of that? Uh, yeah, uh, whatever resonates with you, you know, every business, you know, sometimes people will see a business that, um, you know, looks successful or, you know, and I know you're relatively new mm -hmm. starting out, but, you know, so often you'll see kind of the hype of uh, even in mainstream media like Forbes and so forth, they'll talk about, you know, oh, you know, how this and this company, you know, is launched and you know hit you know a hundred million dollars or something in revenue yeah, but but yeah. there's no there's typically no story about um you know the the years of effort you know being mm -hmm. being an opt entrepreneur mm -hmm. is um is a difficult journey you know you're you're taking a mm -hmm. huge risk on what you believe you know to be a gap in the market and that you see a need for for it um, and so there's technical, in your case, there's technical things that you mm -hmm. had to put into place. Um, there's a bit of, you know, assessing the, the marketplace, which, you know, you've, you've kind of covered a little bit. Um, and then there's attracting, you know, there's getting the word out and attracting those mm -hmm. photographers and, uh, and attracting those models. And then, oh yeah, you also have to attract the uh, subscribers uh, to mm -hmm. the site who are going to yeah. actually utilize those images. So just, yeah. if you wouldn't mind, talk a little bit about whatever comes to mind in, in those veins from the business perspective. Yeah. I mean, I guess for me, I sort of see myself as an accidental entrepreneur. I didn't suddenly get out of bed one morning and think, hey, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I just felt very passionate about a problem. And I was quite keen on fixing that problem and quite passionate about that. And that passion is what drives the business. And, you know, me and my partner, it's just me and my partner working on this. So it is a small business. Um, we have had struggles in terms of uh, website development. We had one website that was all singing and all dancing. We invested quite a bit of time and money in that website that uh, didn't really work out. So we've had to strip that back and simplify it. So that was a big learning learning curve for us in terms of technology. Um, it's also been a little bit challenging as well getting photographers on board because some of them are quite reticent to um, get involved in stock photography because they have been bitten uh, in the past by the bigger stock shot, uh, stock shot agencies um, in terms of how much commission they would get. Um, the way that we've got around that is that we offer 50% uh, commission on anything that we sell off Liberty Picks. So that is a good commission. And also a lot of the photographers that we are dealing with are in this area. So we're actually sort of creating a family of photographers and that that we support and nurture and help and point in the right direction and that kind of extends itself to the people that we call out well they're not really our models because they're real people so we um put out uh, ads in local um newspapers as g scene down here which is a local gay uh, rag um and the response has been great you know we have like a list of people that we're going to get around to shooting so they're really keen to do it because these people especially the models, have just felt underrepresented and marginalised because they haven't seen themselves in mainstream media. So they're keen to do it. They find it quite empowering, um, both on a in a political 
on a political level and also uh, just on a self-confidence level. It, you know, boosts their self-confidence and they feel really good about themselves. Um, awesome. In, yeah. And in terms of the business, we're just forever constantly re-evaluating our business model and chatting to clients and potential clients. So we know there is a, a, a need for video and a lot of our um, clients have asked for that. So we're responding to that and introducing stock video and a custom video service, which will be out. I think we're trying to get it through into Jan January, but it's a bit difficult because we're in lockdown too over here um, in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to introduce uh, a subscription system because that's not on the website at the moment. That was on the old one. So the new one's got to have a bit of uh, bit of tech applied to it so that we can um, sell subscriptions at sell subscriptions at a reasonable price. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I can certainly um, confirm and attest and acknowledge the the technical difficulties. Mm. Um, when you know, you try to bite off something that's you know fairly large, um, mm -hmm. I myself had quite a bit of technical difficulties last year uh, dealing with two different programmers pointing fingers at each yeah. other and so forth. And um, you know, it put me back twelve months of I actually had to find the the, the root cause. And I'm not a developer, but I actually found mm -hmm. it. And uh, I had to replace, like you, I had to replace a whole side of Out Bureau. And now both work beautifully, both sides of the house work beautifully together. Um, but it was a huge learning curve. OMG. Mm. I mean, I myself yeah. had to get into the code, get into the database layer and everything. And uh, to prove to the person that I then had to fire and scrape everything that he did lots of money down the toilet um so wasn't mm. happy about that so i can certainly feel your pain um when it comes to that um and growing starting with the uh minimum you know value product uh, and then growing and adding features you know as demand uh, rises yeah. Yeah. so and i also like hearing that you are starting with a local group because you know as that uh, grows and you know, word gets out, like hopefully this show will uh, help do, is uh, then seeing, you know, the, the what you're doing on the site, what kind of images are there, that'll hopefully inspire other photographers from around the world uh, to reach out to you, to be part of it. Because, you know, there are some fantastic mm. photographers, even in uh, the Out Bureau's uh, group on LinkedIn, um, you know, there's, um, I can't think of their names off the top of my head, but uh, I know there's uh, some really great photographers in India, some in Australia, and, uh, you know, throughout the U.S. and Canada, and of course, Latin America, but, um, you know, that would be awesome. So, uh, so for, for folks out there, um, this is a call to action for you. If you happen to be a photographer uh, or videographer, uh, log on and check out um, libertypics.com. And of course, we'll have uh, links in the show notes, but start checking them out. You know, if you'd, it doesn't have to replace the, you know, perhaps you're already doing stock photography, or maybe this might be a new venture for you. Maybe the inspiration of being LGBT full from, from A to Z uh, might inspire you to check them out and create a new revenue source for yourself. 
So have you, um, just out of curiosity and uh, being a new business is certainly okay if it's not there yet, but do you have uh, currently customers utilizing the site and utilizing your, your imagery? Uh, yeah, we've got a few different clients, we've got some ad agencies, some charities, um, and we've got quite a lot of interest in the subscription model. So that's why we're very keen to get that out in January. Ah, okay. And also we've, we've got, um, we do a custom creation service and we do have a few cl local clients that we work with, like um, G-Scene and um, we did some work for uh, Gales, which is a, a, um, a gay ale from, or originally from Australia. Mm. I don't know whether you've heard of it. It's called Gales. So I've we did, not yet. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. It's really nice, actually, if you like ale. Uh, yes. It's like a golden ale and a, and a dark one. Yeah. Okay. So we, we slow, we're getting there. We're slowly getting more and more people on, you know, interested and on board. And we're doing quite a lot of marketing. So um, using the power of LinkedIn, obviously, because it's uh, quite a lot of this is business to business. Mm -hmm. And uh, Pinterest, use Pinterest quite a lot. It's a great marketing tool. I mean, it's the second biggest um search engine in the world at the moment and it helps us with our uh, discovery and our visibility and we've been shut you know we've put quite a lot of effort into our seo and we're starting to yield you know yield the results and get um get higher rankings on the on the pages of google that works quite well at the moment super all important so do, doing that grassroots and 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 often can can be free lots of time you know when, mm -hmm. when outside of time um which can be quite uh, quite labor intensive and time consuming to do but you know at least it's for a lot of it not putting out the actual you know dollars especially if you know if, if you yourself or your, or your wife is doing you know much of that work yeah and um yeah, you know she's with doing, it, she's doing most of it uh, great, great. Like Pinteresting. She's like she's the queen of Pinterest. Oh, well, any advice? Just <coughs> she, she's your girl. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Well, and and luckily we also have a really uh, large amount of uh, professional marketers um, in the group on LinkedIn, and um, you know. Uh, I'll be sure to bring it up with the Gay Marketing Association um, here in the U.S. We're in conversations of partnering, and they have 40,000 members. So it's a lot of folks you could potentially <laughs> start utilizing um, LibertyPix.com. Sounds fantastic, Dennis. Thank you so much. So, um, you know, with all of that, you know, being an entrepreneur, luckily you're not an entrepreneur of one because being just one it can be very burdensome but still even being the two of you it can sometimes feel a bit isolating mm -hmm. and yeah, so definitely. you know um when you came up with this idea and you started down this journey um you know so often entrepreneurs you know have a vision and you know have a mission and a passion as you stated to create their business and sometimes family and even close friends um, don't always understand 
or don't even understand why you're no longer available at a drop of a dime, you know, to go off and go bike riding, for example, because you're working on your business. Have you had any experience, have you had any um, experiences to that kind of, you know, I don't want to call them naysayers necessarily, but, but sometimes uh, entrepreneurs have that. Have, have you had uh, any experiences with that or has everyone just seen the vision and been completely supportive? No, no. I mean, everyone's supportive in their own way, but I think I think a lot of people think that Nikki and I have gone mad mm. um, because we're not making a tremendous amount of money, and we've we you know we've self funded this project, this business, and um, I just think uh, I think we've uh, gone gone off on one, gone a bit crazy. Um, um, that, that's the only thing I would say is that some people they can't they understand the premise of, of what we're doing but they don't understand where we are that, you know, we haven't been going for that long. We, you know, we're not making millions and millions of, well, we might never make that, but, you know, they're just confused why we aren't making a great deal of money when we spend so much time doing it. But that's part of being, that's part of setting up a business, you know, and that's part of that journey is, you know, it's going to be hard in the beginning. And if people don't understand it or get it in its entirety, then, that's just one of those things. Just got to keep going and keep going and keep going. You, you and just. Take, and then yeah. take a holiday or take some time out and have a breath and then just keep going again. And that's, that's what you've got to do. If you believe in it, keep going. Ab- absolutely. And yeah. you just stated, um, you know, kind of uh, an experience of many entrepreneurs, in- including myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when, but, but when you do, but when it starts and it could go from not making much money to all of a sudden getting a lot of traction and being then, you know, oh my gosh, overwhelmed, which would be a wonderful problem to have. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I can also (laughs) affirm that, you know, if I didn't have a couple of key people in my, uh, life who, really get me and really support me they see the opportunity luckily they and they they know the what i can do similar to you but they don't but occasionally there has been that oh well shouldn't you just go get a real job and it's like what the f are you talking about this is a real job and i'm going to actually employ other people and i'm helping other people with their employment what do you not understand about that it's just especially when there's those technical difficulties that, you know, set you back months or in my case, almost a year. And um, yeah, oh, I've had friends say, well, why don't you just apply for a government job? You'll get benefits and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you're, you're, you're talking about the absolute opposite of me. You don't get me, right? It, 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 I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a horrible employee, absolutely horrific employee, because I, I, you know, like you now, I bet after, after this experience, you'll probably never go back, you know, even if this, even if this for some reason, which I don't think it will, I think you're going to, I think you're really onto something, but even if it failed in the world of entrepreneurialism, failure is a lesson now it's a learning thing so now when you go off to your next thing 
you know what not to do, or at least some of what not to do. And where, where other people who are used to the fallacy of security and going to work for someone else, sitting in a cubicle eight hours a day, their jobs aren't secure. They could be let go for any reason and mostly most states here in the US without any reason at all mm-hmm. and look at you know what COVID has done. Mm-hmm. So, you know, pe- millions of people are out of work. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, I, I think you, uh, I think, and most people would agree that you actually have more security and more power and more control owning your own business. Because mm-hmm. uh, you're working on something that you actually are passionate about versus just dredging through the day on someone helping someone else become wealthy um you're actually creating your own destiny which with no glass ceilings so uh very much commend commend you for that it's it's scary and um this is your first um so uh, i'll just say having having had a few other companies in my past of various levels of success from billions of dollars a year to you know, a couple hundred thousand a year, um, but each one failed for different reason or I shut them down because I found that I wasn't as passionate about it once uh, once it got started, you know, after a couple of years, it's like, oh yeah, wow, I actually don't like this. <laughs> so I, I shut two businesses down because of that. I wasn't passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And without Bureau, I'm extremely passionate about it. Um, so it makes a difference. You know, I can work those 10 and 16 hour days <laughs> that I'm sure you do as well. <laughs> it's great. You've had so much, uh, such a breadth of experience though, isn't it? In running different sorts of businesses. It's great. You know, it, that again is that getting back to the lessons. So um, my first company was a, a business process consulting business uh, with Fortune 100 level clients and gov- big government clients. I um, built it up with venture capital uh, backing to 38 staff. We were running a couple of million dollars a year in revenue. And uh, my business partners kept bringing in high profile, you know, Wharton Business School, Harvard Business School kind of folks to for window dressing, trying to get it ready to, to flip and sell. Uh, I, if that sold, I would have earned, you know, 10 to $12 million. Wow. So, but um, there kind of one of the issues was um, the, 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 the venture capital uh, person actually told my two main salespeople about the impending um, purchase that we were um, in dialogue with and a major company. And then those salespeople uh, didn't keep it to themselves. They told the consultants and then the consultants and salespeople told Ooh. customers and then customers were like, um, would not renew contracts because they said, well, who who's going to service us? We know the quality that you put into this, Dennis, but when you get purchased mm-hmm. by this big company, are they going to have the same quality and the same level of service that you mm-hmm. do? So we're just going to wait and see. So then we went from you know running about $2 million a year in revenue to no contracts being signed. And we were strictly a professional services firm. So um, ended up having to 
after a while when no contracts were being signed, you know, got to a point where payroll, right, eats you alive with 38 staff. Yeah, and that's I had big, to, isn't it? Yeah, ended up having yeah. to turn the lights out. Then I ended up having to get a job. But what that, what really, what was really great about that is I was used to selling into Fortune 1000, Fortune 1000, Fortune 100 level companies. Mm. Um, we reported typically directly to the CFOs of these organizations and we dealt with all of the major departments. So I'm used to that and it was all about change, changing their processes and implementing the systems and tools to support those processes similar to OutBureau. Mm -hmm. Also, then my next, one of my next businesses, because I thought, well, I used to travel extensively with that. Uh, 70 to 80% of my time and used to have to relocate for major clients. So in designing out Bureau, I wanted a 100% internet based um, so that hopefully I am a future hubby because uh, I'm single. <laughs> I find that hard to believe. Well, you know, some by choice, but until I find the right one, I'm not going to settle this time. <laughs> but um, during um, when our after our son was born, my ex and our son, who who's about to turn 11, um, I've always loved estate sales because I love mid-century modern furniture. Danish mm -hmm. modern, just love it. So um, for those potential future hubbies out there, as mentioned, if you don't have Danish modern furniture and you want to be serious with me, know that I'm going to change everything. <laughs> just know that. Um, so I thought, well, I saw how all these little estate sale businesses were being ran. Most of it was all handwritten receipts. And I thought to myself, well, how does the family or the estate attorney know that the, the, the 10 books of receipts that they were handed at the end of the sale wasn't 15 books, hmm. right? How do they know that that estate sale company just didn't rip them off? So... In addition, I'm uh, being gay and fabulous and also an artist, I'm a painter. Um, I decided to start an estate sale business um, back in Columbus, Ohio, uh, where I spent a lot of my adult years. And within 12 months became one of the top three estate sale agencies there. And because I merch, I set the houses or the, the estates up like a boutique. And every table had black tablecloths on it. Every item was photographed like it was going to go into a catalog. Um, you know, I had scented candles going when people entered. And we actually ran a, a iPad-based point-of-sale system. So high-ticket items were individualized. But even if it was a coffee mug, it would have, you know, kitchen item, $1.50. Mm. Uh, you know, bath, uh, soft goods, $12, whatever it might be. And so what was really great is as my staff was ringing items up, anyone from the estate, whether that was a family member or the attorney or et cetera, if they happened to walk into the estate sale at any time, all I had to do was pull up my phone, pull up the app, and I could show them real time as items were being tracked. So, and I was able to give them a detailed report 
And so I was the only estate sale company in the entire state, if not the multiple state region, who used a real point of sale system mm-hmm. uh, that That's created, clever, isn't it? yes, yeah. it created yeah. transparency. Yeah. So, so what yeah. that did is, is because my my marketing <clears throat> of the sale, I could I could make a, a basic grouping of can, you know candlesticks. Mm-hmm. look like it was something that you were going to purchase online from, you know, a, a, a nice store. And so the marketing people goes, oh my God, they'd walk in and be, wow, this is beautiful. Everything is beautiful. And then having that differentiator. And I would, I would tell prospective customers that, oh, well, ask them how they are tracking your sales. And I would put, plant that seed. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, when they're just using handwritten receipt books from Staples and Office Depot, um, and they're handing you, again, that example of 10 books at the end of it, how do you know they weren't 11 or 12 or yeah. 15 books? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so it created doubt in their mind. And, and then, oh, and look at this, you know, completely uh, modern, you know, iPad-based uh, uh, point-of-sale system, so everything is entered and tracked. You, 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 there is no, you know, there is no way to fool this. So you're getting complete transparency and trust, and so that was a differentiator. So, like what you're doing in your business is you're differentiating your business. And one of the key things for those listening out there is. Taking a proven business model, like in your industry, and then narrowly focusing it on a niche area. Like my yeah. f- my five-second elevator pitch for Out Bureau is it's like Glassdoor.com and LinkedIn met at a party, fell in love, and had a queer baby. If you know what Glassdoor.com is, or Canunu, which is popular in Europe, um, and you know what LinkedIn is, you get the gist of what Out Bureau is. And so for you, your five second elevator pitch is, we're like iStock like photo, except we're, we're all gay, we're all queer. It's queer from A to Z. Mm-hmm. And so that's a nice little, nice little pitch to be able to quickly say, so if someone's in the industry and have utilized it, or they're a small business doing marketing like myself, they're going to instantly know what it is and how you're different and having that little five second pitch like that and and being able to to give when you are going after an, an a, a a proven business model a proven industry and niching it being able to reference those larger entities and then quickly say how you are niche difference it really helps people understand how you're different and go oh i get it i use that i need that what's mm-hmm. the website again so that's one of the reasons why i really connected with what you're doing because again i myself need your services i need your business so very very happy to start using it um well you know um is there any other kind of, oh, I guess, okay. So one of the other things I'd love to talk about is being an entrepreneur is we can work hours, you know, an eight hour day. Ah, I wish I had only an eight hour day. No. 
as I like to tell friends, you know, um, right now is the, the factory is behind on my order of three clones because <laughs> I need three clones. No one has the passion that I do yeah. or that you do. And it's really hard uh, to get that. And you want, but you need other people to get the work, all the work done. I literally could use three other people who are as passionate and as knowledgeable as I am. Where are you? Um, so, but sometimes, you know, we really have to also, when we are working those long hours, like my shoulder right here constantly is killing me because of, you know, doing, you know, the mouse movements for 12, 13 hours a day. Um, so I myself, I purposely, uh, um, almost a day does not go by that I don't go for about an hour and a half walk. Mm -hmm. I have that time for myself to have one, a little bit of physical exercise, fresh air, and thought. And I find that I will sometimes be actually thinking about a problem that I'm having, either a technical problem, or maybe I'm working on some content and it, I think about that new way to frame that paragraph, you know, to get my message across. So what do you and your wife do to kind of have that time and space for yourself? Well, we're very fortunate that we live by the coast, so there is a beach very near here. So oh, we go for a nice long walk on the beach with the beautiful dog. And occasionally, if it's not too cold, we might pop into the ocean and do a little bit of sea swimming. Nice. If I can squeeze myself into my wetsuit, I will go <laughs> down um, and we will go swimming. And sometimes we'll try and swim around the pier. Um, yeah, it's just trying to be just getting out in the outdoors and just having time to think and just reflect on what we're doing. Um, very good time out and just time to relax and enjoy each other's company. Very, very good. Very good. And maybe, maybe a sippy cup with a lid and a straw with a, a cocktail here and there. I've <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I've been known to do that. Go on a long walk, but I have a sippy cup. <laughs> oh, with a bit of water in it or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Well, uh, we will definitely have your, your links. I see you already started creating your profile on now. Yes, Hero. I did. Yes. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. And there, there is marketing and media groups there. Um, and if you don't see a group that uh, you think might need to be there, maybe out photographers or something like that, uh, feel free to create a group to help entice people uh, to interact with you. Okay. Yeah, what a great idea. I think I'll do that tomorrow, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, super. Well, uh, thank you so much for sharing some of your story and journey and information of, uh, about Liberty Picks. I can't wait to start uh, seeing all the photos and get inspired. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was lovely chatting to you, Dennis. Thank you so much. It's brilliant. You, thank you. you as well, Donna. And thank you, everyone, for staying tuned to this episode of Out Bureau Voices. You've been listening to Donna Williams of Liberty Picks. Check them out today. And while you're here, on, if you're viewing this on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button and click that bell. That bell will notify you of future episodes. Also, if you would like to listen on the go, perhaps like walking on the beach like Donna, maybe taking a good walk or even vacuuming your house in those three-inch red pumps, hmm, you can tune in on 
14 podcasting apps, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Apps, and Apple, and about 10 others. We're also going to be announcing uh, very soon, possibly by the time you're listening to this, that Out Bureau Voices has been picked up by a new LGBT. Thank you for tuning in. Well, I appreciate it. This is Dennis Velko with Out Bureau. Join us on outbureau.com today. Bye-bye.